Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors and the stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. In 2020, they created Friends in Fiction to provide author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing, and to highlight independent bookstores. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, everybody. (laughs) It's a Wednesday night, and that means it's time for Friends in Fiction. Welcome to our show. We have so much to look forward to tonight. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. I'm Patty Callahan. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews. And this is Friends in Fiction, five, or tonight four, New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories, all in support of indie bookstores and readers like you. Tonight, we'll be celebrating debut novels with the help of some special guests, including first-time authors Addison Armstrong, Gervais Haggerty, and Paige Crutcher. And you guys, how cool is this? Movie star, Broadway star, television star, and director Lou Diamond Phillips, whose debut novel just came out in paperback on August 3rd. We'll talk to all four of them about the hopes, fears, and challenges that come along with the debut, how they broke in, and what advice they have for others at the beginning of an exciting and challenging journey. And we'll be asking at least one of them about a little upcoming film you might know as Young Guns 3, if there's anything he can tell us. And in our continuing support of indie bookstores tonight, our bookstore of the week is one of our favorite stores, Copperfish Books in Punta Gorda, Florida. And we'll be telling you a little bit more about that in a minute. And we also want to remind you that all month long, we are taking a bite out of summer with our friends (laughs) at Carolina Flakes. So yummy. Yeah. Each of us has been posting about our favorite summer reads and Labor Day plans on our individual Facebook and Instagram pages. And with each of these those posts, we're offering you guys the chance to win the ultimate Labor Day weekend beach bag brimming with swag from Friends in Fiction and Carolines, including 10 novels. That's 10, 10 novels (laughs) on Cake Bites in the flavor of your choice. And you know that every week we partner with Parade Magazine online for a Friends in Fiction essay series. This week, Patty wrote about traveling through books. You can find it linked on our Facebook page and in our Instagram bio. But meanwhile, Patty, can you tell us a little bit about your fabulous essay? You know, when we were stuck at home during COVID and we all started reading more, probably I think the reading industry, if that's what you want to call it, skyrocketed. But there have been other times in my life when I haven't been able to travel or get about or get out in the world, you know, breast cancer treatment, for example, or having young babies or in college and working night shift as a nurse. And books were always a way to get somewhere else, to be somewhere else. And not as much as escape, but as a means for a greater and bigger life. And so I wrote about that. And I want to hear some of your books that have taken you 
to places you weren't able to go? Well, I mean, just recently, Taylor Jenkins Reads Malibu Rising took me to Malibu. And uh, I would say that Stephen Rowley took me to Palm Springs with the Gunkle. It's yeah. so great. It's so much fun. <laughs> and, you know, Stephanie Dre's The Women of Chateau Lafayette, I think, was yeah. a big travel book for me this year. And she took us to France in three different time periods, which was really cool. It's amazing. That, I think, is kind of the perfect segue because all four of our special guests have written novels that transport us. So let's dive right in. First up tonight is Lou Diamond Phillips, an author you all know because since the mid-1980s, he has been absolutely everywhere. You may know him from a little film called La Bamba, for instance, where he played Richie Valens. I'm think I'm gonna have to rewatch that movie. I know yeah. me too, me too. I know. I think we should have a I think we should have a group friends in fiction mm. La Bamba watch. Yeah. Watch party. Yep. Yes. <laughs> or you might know him from a little movie called Stand and Deliver for which he was nominated for a Golden Globe and won an Independent Spirit Award. Or if that's not enough, you might've heard of a little pair of movies called Young Guns and Young Guns 2, in which Lou co-starred with my favorite from the 80s, Emilio Estevez <laughs> and Kiefer Sutherland, which every time I hear his name, I think of 24. And he talks in that whisper the whole time in 24. <laughs> Essentially cementing Lou's complete and total box office domination of the late 80s and early 90s. But did Lou Diamond Phillips stop there, content to be merely a legit heartthrob? Oh, no. no. He doubled down. I did ask how. Okay, great. Thanks. Well, how about as the head of a singer of a band called the Pipe Fitters, who once played the massive Farm Maid Benefit concert founded by Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, and Neil Young? Or how about a Tony-nominated turn as the king in the 1996 Tony... Tony award-winning revival of Rogers Ham and Hammerstein's The King and on Broadway. I honest to God, I think I saw him in that. Wow, oh, that's I awesome. I'm pretty sure that was Lou. More wow. recently, you might have seen him basically anytime you turned on your television. He starred on everything from 24 to his guest starred on everything from 24 to numbers, Brooklyn 99, Blue Bo Blue Bloods, Law and Order SVU, and over a hundred more shows. He's had starring roles in shows including Long Longmire. Y'all, I can't talk. I'm proud of this son. tonight. What's wrong? Oh, God, this is bad. Oh. And his voiced main characters in the children's shows. Elena of Avalar and the Lion Guard. Yes. yes. <laughs> so basically, if you have a television, Lou Diamond Phillips has been in your house for at least the last 20 years. And what am I doing with my life? Right. I now? know, right? <laughs> I know, Get it wait. together. But wait, there's more. He also won the Food Network reality series, Rachel vs. Guy, Celebrity Cook-Off. He was featured in Imagine Dragons music video for Radioactive. Do you remember that music video? Yes. Um, guys, he once taught Snuffleupagus how to write his name on Sesame Street. He's appeared on the World Series of Poker. And I guess because his schedule isn't full enough, he's also written screenplays and directed episodes of shows, including Prodigal Son, Agents of wow. S.H.I.E.L.D., Longmire and the Twilight Zone. Well, I'm we could spend the entire, isn't that amazing? We could spend the entire night talking to him about his amazing screen career. But of course, we're here to discuss another incredible endeavor, his debut novel, The Tinderbox, Soldier of Indira. And he'll have to tell me if I'm saying that right. Erica, can you bring Lou Diamond Phillips on, please? Yay! Lou, Hi. welcome! Hi. Oh, it's so good to see you. It's so wonderful to see you. know those intros, they... Um that's why I don't look at my IMDb page. You know, they just put me to sleep. It's like, oh my 
God, I'm so tired. I've done so much work. <laughs> We're tired. We feel like wah, wah. We're like, tired. When did you sleep? <laughs> and never mind, when did you write your novel? Exactly. Right. Oh my well, Lou, it's such a pleasure to have you on tonight. And I have to say a big thank you to our mutual friend, comedian and journalist, Michelle Wojo. How do you say her last name? Wojowski? Something, yeah, she's amazing, Wojo, and you could, yeah, she's fantastic. So she's the one who put us in touch, and I'm so glad she did. So we're so glad to have you here. Can you start a little, uh, by telling us tonight a little bit about The Tinderbox, which just came out in paperback on August 3rd? Uh, Thank you. Well, I mean, most people um, are very, very happy to hear that the inspiration for the entire novel uh, came from my wife, my wife, Yvonne. Um, and when we first started dating, uh, we, we literally just passed our 14 year anniversary, uh, uh married. We've been together, I think, uh, uh more like 18 years, something like that. Wow. Crazy. Uh, wow. but, um, when we first started, uh, dating, she was a makeup artist, but she was also an amazing graphic artist. Um, she knew about my acting, but she not read any of my writing. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got screenplays, I've got screenplays that haven't been produced. Uh, I have a novel that I wrote in college that I need to go back to because it never got, you know, published. Um, and I looked at some uh, drawings that she had done that had been inspired by Hans Christian Andersen's uh, short story, The Tinderbox. But she had done them, and this is in the 90s, so she was cool and hip and a, and a nerd before it was cool and hip. You know? <laughs> so, so she had done these in, a, in the manga style, you know, back when you uh, could have had to actually go down to you know, the bookstore and get the manga or order it from Japan as opposed to clicking it up on your phone. So um, she had done these amazing drawings that she was thinking about turning into a, a uh, um, graphic novel, and they were just so evocative. Uh, they, 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 they felt like a, a feudal, you know, sword and sorcery, uh, uh, you know, princesses and, and kings and knights and that sort of thing, but with this Japanese sort of influence. And to me, it was like, boom, okay, that's Star Wars, because Star Wars took so much, you know, from Kurosawa. Uh, and, I, and I said, this is a movie. So she said, great, wonderful. And I set about it and I wrote a screenplay. When I finished the screenplay, we looked at each other and went, this is too damn expensive, man. Nobody's going to give us this money. I've never directed anything this expensive. So we talked about it and uh, uh, talked about it with my manager, uh, J.B. Roberts, who's always been so supportive. And he said, write the book. Just write the book. Awesome. You know? uh, and you know, easier said than done. Uh, my day job kept getting in the way. Uh, and so it took 10 years. It took 10 years off and on, you know, writing some, going away from it, coming back to it. Uh, and we were talking about Craig Johnson earlier. He was instrumental in me finishing the novel. Oh, I love hearing that. I was to Longmire. And after, I think, in the second season, I finally got enough bravery to go, hey, Craig, you know, I write a little, you know. And I said, would you look at this? And I think I gave him a chapter and a half or something like that. I said, am I wasting my time? Am I out of my mind here? And he read it and he loved it. And uh, and he says, you have to finish this. You have to finish this. So oh. I, I started going back to it in earnest um, after having dabbled for a little while. And uh, like I said, the, the process to not only finish the novel, but go through the edits, the polishing, everything else, and actually get it published was in excess of 10 years. Wow. Can you tell us wow. a little bit about the plot of the novel? What can we expect from picking it up? It's, you know, I mean, if anybody's read the short story, it is the short story. Okay. Uh, uh, the plot doesn't veer from it uh, all that much, but I, I've extrapolated it into a you know galaxy far, far away, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it allowed me to to I think 
give it more of that allegorical flavor, you know, that more fairy tale, fable esque sort of thing. When when you know it's in another world, it allows you to go somewhere else. And so, uh, uh, what's fun is that is that a lot of my influences are very uh, evident in there, from Lewis Carroll, uh, you know, little Neil Gaiman is she in there, uh, you know, uh, definitely the Hans Christian Andersen and writers of that period. And so the the, the language is a little heightened. Um, and our novel has dogs. It has a witch. Uh, but it is not a witch, W-I-T-C-H. It's a witch, W-H-I-C-H, because there are four mm-hmm. tellers, the witch, the where, the why, and the when. And, oh. and it's, 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 got, it's got a little bit of that, you know, uh, uh, the line, the witch, and the wardrobe. I mean, it's, it, it wants to feel like a, a novel from that period, but with, I, I think, very relevant um, uh, uh, themes and, and ideas. Uh, race certainly plays a part in it. My hero is brown. Uh, uh, it's a planet that's split into two, uh, and all the brown people went to one side, and all the white folks went to the other. But the white folks are in the desert now, which is very odd. But uh, uh, you know, it's it's about a it's about a young man and a hero's journey, and uh, a princess who has been uh, uh, you know locked away um, by her father, the king, uh, low these many years because of a prophecy that his kingdom will end uh, should she ever marry a common soldier. So you know, it's a uh, it, it has very, uh, very much uh, fairy tale aspirations, even though it's sci-fi. And that's so funny. When I finished it, they go, "Well, this is a YA novel." So I go, oh, "Okay," but it's also a sci-fi novel. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a fairy tale fantasy. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I wrote the story. Yeah. I mean, whatever category you guys want to put it into is up to you. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow, blowing me away. Yeah. You have, you have worked in the archetypes and the stories and the the wider mythology of so many different things. And even sprung to mind when you were talking like Fantasies by George MacDonald and which also inspired The Witch in the Wardrobe, which also inspired Tolkien, which it, it's just, you're, you're working in this huge realm of mythology and legend. So which is really because I mean, once again, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of Romeo and Juliet in there. There's a yeah. lot of, mm-hmm. of Shakespeare and Shakespearean references. There are Easter eggs throughout the thing there's even a little reference to uh, a Beatles song but you know uh, uh, the uh, the influences come from the literary world and they come from the cinematic world as well uh, I mean the reason I, I originally decided to write it as a sci-fi was that you know it was going to be a movie and at the time Game of Thrones hadn't happened so the fantasy uh-huh. world wasn't as hip but Avatar was a massive hit Star Wars was still going yeah. strong so I thought to make it a commercial you know film I'll make it a sci-fi I never set out to write a sci-fi yeah. And Yvonne, when it when it, we we w- turned it back into a novel, was so pissed at me because she did, <laughs> she did an illustration. She goes, "But I don't do sci-fi. I don't draw spaceships. I don't draw weird creatures. <laughs> Just draw what you're inspired by, you know." Yeah. Uh, and so she uh, uh, she really, I think, found this beautiful hybrid of of um, the kind of German woodcut stuff that she really does well. Uh, mm-hmm. That was you know prevalent in the Lewis Carroll, but also in the original Hans Christian Andersen, and she brought into that uh, an almost Barbarella sci-fi steampunk sensibility and the graphic novel sensibility. So the uh, the illustrations I think wow. are just, just wonderful. That they are, yeah, they are. They're great. Mm-hmm. They're great. So you have had, and you continue to have, an incredible career on camera and on stage and is one of the most prolific and recognizable actors of the last three and a half decades. So don't say you didn't, I don't wanna hear 
some humble, no, no, no. <laughs> it, strikes me, it strikes me that acting is first and foremost, and always about character, about taking on a role, wearing it like a second skin, becoming that character in so many ways. And you're a great example of that because you're not an actor who's typecast. You've played all kinds of different kinds of characters. And while watching you in a role, we definitely know who you are, but we forget because you embody those characters. So here's what I'm curious about. Can you talk a bit about what your process is as an actor for creating such realistic and deeply felt characters and how much of that influenced the way you wrote the Tinderbox? Uh, it 100% influences uh, the way that uh, the characters came out in Tinderbox. And I'd like to say, it's one thing that I'm proud of is I think that every one of the characters resonates. Uh, from from the smallest character who has you know one appearance to you know the hero or uh, you know the princess Princess Allegra, uh, which by the way the Allegra Cafe in Vancouver uh, was the first place that we uh, uh, Yvonne and I had a date and that and that's oh, what she was. Oh sweet. Um, so I mean <laughs> when I've taught acting on occasion and, and and you're right I mean whether it's theater film television. I've played good guys. I've played bad guys. I've played really bad guys. Uh, you know, uh, supporting, leading, comedic, uh, you know, dramatic. It's and and the same thing always applies, and that is you have to subjugate as a human being your ego to the character. Yeah. Uh, you, you cannot hold them at arm's length. Even when I'm playing somebody like Richard Ramirez in the film I did uh, called The Night Stalker with the wonderful Bellamy Young, who was with me in Prodigal Son, oh, yeah. uh, you have to adopt that character's worldview. You cannot judge them. If you're going to play them uh, uh, and, and judge them, the audience will see you apologize. And you can't do that. Oh, wow. So you have to, to open your mind and your heart, and you don't have to agree with them. But you have to fully invest yourself in that character and, and the parts of yourself that, you know, that would apply to that character. And somebody said, well, I could never do that. I could, I could never be a serial killer. It's like, well, you know, you ever thought about, oh, if I could kill that guy. You just take that and you extrapolate it. You know, you, you, you take the word no out of your head and you um, uh, once again don't, don't uh, uh, apologize for how the character lives their life. You live that life mm -hmm. on the street. And uh, uh, do everything you can to to present it fully uh, and completely. Uh, and, 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 and a lot of that, you know, I lost a lot of weight for uh, um, Richard Ramirez in, in that film. I lost a lot of weight for the 33, where I played uh, Don Lucho, a Chilean miner uh, who got caught in. You know, he was the foreman uh, of the Chilean miners who was caught in that uh, uh, cave-in uh, back in 2010 in Chile. Mm. Um, and, and so you do your research. You know, you uh, a lot of a lot of the you know. Writers who are friends of mine always do their research about their books, and it's the same in the acting world. You know, if you if you need to learn how to you know make an omelet, you can learn how to make an omelet. But if you're going to do it on camera, so that people believe that you know how to do this. So um, yeah, I mean, playing a cop, I've done tons of research in that area. Playing a soldier, um, you know, uh, playing Richard Ramirez. That was that was a deep dive. Playing Richie Valens. It was watching all of the, the video that was that was possible. It was reading every article. It was talking at length with his family. Uh, you know, I'm not a cholo from East LA, but I, you know, I drove around for two weeks with the with the brother who was, uh, you know, who grew up in that life. You know, and we went to the places where terrible things happened to him. He did terrible things, and you know, it was my it was my job to absorb that. Yeah, it's fascinating. 
You know, Lou, I've seen that you're so active on Twitter, which I think is a gift to your fans because you are so authentic and uh, when you interact with them and with us. So all of you out there, we posted a link to Lou's Twitter account under announcements on Facebook. You can find him at, at Lou capital D Phillips reading through some of your past tweets. I'm curious about a few of the things you said. Uh oh, uh -oh I know. right? <laughs> I know. I don't know about you, but on Twitter is where I get a little bit more open, open. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. just the other day, you answered a fan question about how long it took you to write this book. And you said 10 years because you, you know, you had a day job. Can you tell <laughs> us a little bit about how that process worked? Were you, and you, you, you answered a little bit of this already. So you went back and forth, right? Uh, I did. And after a while, I realized, uh, I did a play uh, that I wrote called Bernie Desire Comedy because they very rarely cast me in comedies. <laughs> uh, and uh, we produced it at the Seven Angels Theater at, uh, um, in Connecticut, in Waterbury, uh, just a couple of years ago. I wrote that while I was doing The King and I on Broadway. I literally wow. wrote it. I no wrote it L-I-R-R, -R, going into work uh, from Long Island. I wrote it, I, I wrote during the act break. Uh, wow. On the, on the, and I finally, I discovered that I can write while I'm doing something else. And, and in some <laughs> way, when I'm working, it just gets those creative juices flowing. So wow. I, I did the entire... Uh, I don't know, eight months of edits or whatever while I was shooting Prodigal Son. I kept, you know, uh, a yellow pad with me. And, and by wow. the way, don't, don't screenshot that because that's the truth. <laughs> oh, oh, do that again? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> Just hold it up slowly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I keep I keep a yellow pad with me at all times. And, you know, I mean, if, if a sentence will come to me or a paragraph or whatever, you know, while I'm on set, it's right there on my chair. I jot it down. I keep the computer in the dressing room, you know. And, and so I discovered that that I could work while I was working. Uh, a, a good chunk of it was written during Longmire. Uh, an even, uh, I think, bigger chunk, because I had more time, was uh, done when I was doing The King and I in Australia, in Melbourne. And oh, cool. Vaughn and you know, went with me. Because, you know, I could write all day and then, you know, go to the theater at six at night. So, uh, wow. um, it's, like I said, one hand washes the other. And what, when we're talking about my acting or my writing or my directing, any of that, I, I think they're branches of the same creative tree, and and uh, uh, one embellishes the other. Uh, one uh, totally, you know, uh, I think elevates the other because because I'm I'm looking at it, you know, from, from as a director. I'm looking at it, you know, as an actor working on each one of those characters, and then you know I'm working on it as 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 a writer who wants to create a world, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And you might have already sort of touched a little bit on what I'm getting ready to ask you, but we'll ask you to sort of expand on it a little bit. Um, since we're talking about debut novels tonight, and since you are the perfect example of someone who wanted to write a book and stuck with it over the course of a decade, even though life kept getting in the way, what advice can you give to writers out there who are toiling away on an idea or who think they can't fit their dream into an already busy life? You know, it's, uh, uh, first of all, it took me 10 years. I mean, a lot of people said, oh, Lou Diamond Phillips wrote a book. Oh, yeah, he, you know, he just spit it out. And somebody said, oh, it's Lou Diamond Phillips, you know, we'll just publish it. No, I, I got rejected a lot. Did this you? Book, oh, wow. Yeah. This book had a couple of dozen uh, uh, rejection letters. And uh, in the movie Ambition, by the way, that I wrote, my character is a writer, and he's burning rejection letters. By the way, those were the real rejection letters for the uh, uh, novel I wrote in college. Uh, that I need to go wow. back to. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, but again, 
it's never quits. If you believe in yourself, make it happen. And uh, uh, a line that I wrote, you know, in in my play, um, because the, uh, the the character's a writer, but he's a waiter at the time, and uh, the leading lady says, "What are you waiting for?" You know, and she goes, "A writer writes, an actor acts, a dancer dances. They're all acts and verbs. So do it." You know, I've got I've got stuff in drawers that never got published or never got produced from 10 years ago. I dust them off every once in a while. Yeah. Some are trendy. Others, I think, you know, uh, uh, go beyond a, a, a window of time and then they're still relevant and still have life to them. Yeah. So um, it's, it's about never giving up. Uh, but it's also about doing the work. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that. We have a, and I used to call it an American Idol uh, mentality, but it's a lottery mentality. People want things instantly. They, you know, they, they think they can do something, you know, uh, just so brazen on YouTube that they'll instantly become famous and rich. Yeah. But when when you're dealing with the arts, if you want to be an actor, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be a dancer, I mean, it's it's blood, sweat, and tears. It's yeah. you know, you you apply your your soul to this. Uh, if you want to be any good at it, and if you want to have a life at it, and that's yes. what it is. It's not about instant fame or even riches. It's it's that you love this and you have to do it. And for me, finishing the novel, I just wanted to hold it in my hands. You know, yeah. the fact that it's been so well received and and you know the Yvonne's drawing you know has has gone through the roof as well. I mean that's that's such a plus. But we just wanted to hold it in our hands. Like, well, you know, what? we did this. That's a great yeah. feeling. What a moment. Yeah. Well, you, you all know it. And you know it multiple times. You know, uh, Craig Johnson, I don't know how many Longmire books now, and uh, another mm -hmm. dear friend, Chris Bojalian, who's, you know, had some of them. That's, that, that was my, by the way, rave book of this year. Uh, I was, I was, so good. You know, yeah. I mean, these guys do it every year, and I'm like, Bleh. you know, show yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, speaking of Chris Bojalian, so Erica, <laughs> do you have a video to play for us? <laughs> Hi, Chris Bojalian here. I want to say hello to Patty, to all of you watching, and of course, hi Lou Diamond Phillips, hi Yvonne, I want to say congratulations on the Tinderbox being a finalist for the Dragon Award. As many of you know, I loved that book. My lovely bride Victoria loved that book. Our amazing Grace Experience loved that book. If you're watching and haven't read it, read it. If you've read it, Vote for it for a Dragon Award. I hope all of you have a great time. <laughs> there you go. I love that man, I, I, I'm, I read everything he writes. But, uh, wonderful. Uh, I mentioned Craig, and Craig is the reason I finished the Tinderbox. Chris is the reason it got published. Wow. Uh, yeah, we're working on on uh, uh, a couple of different things. He and I uh, that involve you know one of his other novels, uh, and and we become good wow. friends. I met him on Twitter. You know? Wow! Oh, my, you know Yvonne, who, who recommends everything that I re you know read. You know she gave me the flight attendant, and she went, "You got to read this. This guy's amazing." Yeah. Brown or something. And so I read the flight attendant. I went, oh my god! I got you know page turner right. Yeah. And um, uh, I said, "I wonder if he's on Twitter." But boom, <laughs> there he is. Uh, I followed him. He followed me. We have a dear mutual friend in John Fusco, who wrote Young Guns One and Two. Uh, they're both you know Connecticut, Vermont type guys. And um, uh, we we do, we just hit it off and had this friendship. And once again, you know, uh, we were talking about you know this, that, and the other. And I gave him you know the tinderbox to read, and he loved it. And and he pointed me in the right direction. What's funny 
is that his literary agent, who is now my literary agent, is the same woman who tried to sell my novel 20 years ago. Wow. So she, and my wow. writing was then, and she goes, "Oh, I, I think we can sell this one." <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, we love Chris so much, and yeah. we love his books. And he came on the show and talked about *Hour of the Witch*, and he's an astounding person and an astounding writer. So, and everyone out there, we totally encourage you to vote for Lou's book in the Dragon Awards, which Chris just mentioned. And the Dragon Awards are linked to Dragon Con, which is a huge pop culture event held every Labor Day weekend in Atlanta. Right. And they honor excellence in sci-fi and fantasy. They're entirely fan driven. So if you pick up Lou's The Tinderbox, we would love for you to vote for it. There is a link under announcements as usual. On our Facebook page. Absolutely. Yeah, we're so excited about that. Um, so Lou, before you go, we wanted to ask you about what you're working on next in a few areas. What are you working on next in terms of books? And where can we see you on screen coming up soon? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I let the cat out of the bag. I'm working on the sequel. Yeah, the reviews were so wonderful. And the one thing yeah. that Yvonne and I latched onto was the fact that a lot of people fell in love with this world, yeah. uh, the, the world that had been created and a lot of these characters. Uh, and so it was like, okay, well, let's, let's do a sequel. Um, we had thought, I had thought for a long time that we would go back into the, into the fairy tale world and I would, uh, you know, I would uh, extrapolate something else. Yvonne came up with this plot. She came up with this story. Awesome. Uh, and it, it is, so out of left field, but so there between the lines in the first book that I was astounded. Wow. Uh, and uh, whereas the first one was a fairy tale and, and a bit of a hero's journey and an adventure, this one uh, is a little bit of a mystery. So it's got, yeah, it's got that and, and it's got uh, a little okay. bit of an environmental uh, uh, side to it as well. Ooh. Oh, that's uh, great. So uh, doing that, and I just recently um, – uh, did a nice cameo playing myself uh, in a movie called Easter Sunday with uh, the comedian Joe Coy, who I've been friends with for a so number cool. of years. He got his first feature film through Amblin Entertainment. It's semi-autobiographical. And uh, he, he wrote the role for me to play me. So I feel That's like awesome. I got that character down. <laughs> I can't really say no to that either. <laughs> There's really not a lot of people that can do this as well as you. Yeah, exactly. You have know, to Ralph Macho to play me so I don't do it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Lou, we have to ask you, are the rumors, can you tell us anything about Young Guns 3, about whether that might be coming? Uh, it might be coming. No, Amelia reached out to me about a year ago and he had written the script. Uh, I had mentioned our friend, John Fusco, John, uh, uh, Emilio wrote the script. I think John's done a polish on it. Uh, I don't know where they are uh, as far as getting it together for production, but uh, it's in the works and, and it is a, it is a real thing. It is a real rumor. Uh, Emilio's committed to it. Uh, and when he calls me, that's it, man. Regulators mount up. I'm back in the saddle. Regulators mount up. That awesome. is awesome. All right. Well, assuming that it does go forward, I can't imagine that it wouldn't. How do you feel about returning to a role from the past and especially a role that remains so iconic and to working with these actors who you really kind of grew up with 30 years ago? 
Well, first, uh, not everybody will be in it, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, that's a little bit of a teaser. Uh, okay. But there are a few of us that would, okay. that would uh, return. Um, and I have to say, from what I read uh, in, in the initial draft, uh, he did a, a brilliant job uh, of uh, bringing it forward and, and aging these characters uh, to, to where we would be now. You know, older but wiser guns. Uh, you know, slower but crotchety guns. I don't know. Uh, and... and <laughs> Um, there, there are truths and there are lessons. Uh, I, I think there are things in the characters that I don't know weren't weren't available to us when we were in our twenties, yeah. uh, and and I yeah. think that's that's kind of wonderful. You know, I mean, when you think of, when you think about an old gunslinger who you know probably should have been in the ground a long time ago, yeah. that comes with a lot of gravitas. That comes with a lot of of experience and a lot of pain. And I and uh, that's one of the things that I think is really, really compelling, uh, not only about the script in general, but certainly with Chavez. Well, I, I can't wait to see what happens with it. And I can't wait to see what happens with everything you're working on. I, I, um, I feel like there are going to be so many more chances to see you doing so many more amazing things in the years to come. So Retirement is not in my vocabulary. Well, I mean, <laughs> and now he's been on Friends and Fiction. So like something wait, to yeah, add just, to your yeah, IMDb. You just hit the exactly. Right up there. <laughs> so, Lou, it was such a pleasure talking with you today about your debut novel and about all these amazing things you have going on. And as a reminder mm -hmm. to all of you out there, please vote for Lou's The Tinderbox in the Dragon Awards. And I would encourage all of you to follow Lou on Twitter, where, like we said, he's very active and engaged. So, Lou, congratulations on this wonderful book and on everything. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Congratulations, Thank you so Lou. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Lou. That was amazing. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. You bet. All right, ladies, how fun was that? Oh my gosh, we talked to him for two hours. Oh my gosh. He was amazing. Oh, that was so much fun. But the fun yeah. is not over. So this is our nope. episode featuring debut authors and debut books. And we have three more of them coming up. So you won't want to miss it because we'll be hearing about each of their much anticipated new books, their writing processes, and their tips for other aspiring writers. And the good news is that all of these books we'll be talking about tonight um, will be available from Copperfish Books in Punta Gorda on the west coast of Florida uh, for 10% off using the code FF10. This is one of our absolute favorite bookstores. Um, and Kristen was just there for her tour last month. And we'll all be there this fall as we launch our September and October books. So yeah. come see us. And in the meantime, support them because they're a wonderful store. They are. Really? They are. And the link to the bookstore is under announcements on our Facebook page. And tonight we are so excited to welcome three new kids on the block. Get it? New kids on the block. <laughs> Addison Armstrong, the author of The Light of Luna Park. Gervais Haggerty, the author of Impolite Company. And Paige Crutcher, the author of The Orphan Witch. Addison Armstrong graduated just last year from Vanderbilt University with degrees in elementary education and language and literacy studies. She's currently living in Nashville, working with students and obtaining her master's degree in reading education. Her debut, The Light of Luna Park, came out just last Tuesday. What a cover. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And Gervais Haggerty grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. She earned her BA in psychology from Vanderbilt and her MBA from the Citadel. 
the Military College of South Carolina. That one. Mm -hmm. The one Pat Conroy wrote about. Yeah, that one. She has worked as a news reporter and producer, a college instructor, and the director of a public speaking lab. She lives in Charleston with her husband and daughters. Her debut in Polite Company just came out yesterday. Happy birthday. And Paige Crutcher has been published in multiple anthologies and online publications. And she is a former Southern correspondent for what we call PW, but is Publishers Weekly. She's an artist, a yogi, and a astounding ethereal human being. And when not writing, she likes to spend her time trekking through the forest with her children. She is hunting for portals to new worlds. Oh, and I, I actually that. believe that's what she's doing. Yeah, her great. day is <laughs> Witch, which I absolutely loved and devoured in oh, advanced yes. copy form and blurbed. Isn't that cover amazing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Is out on September 28th. Wow. So we cannot wait for all of you to meet the three of them. Erica, can you bring Addison, Gervais, and Paige on? Hi, Hi, Addison. Hi, 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 so The Light of Luna Park is a dual timeline historical fiction novel, and it centers around the 20th century Coney Island baby incubators, which were like a freak show in a hospital all rolled into one. Wow. So I have a 1986 and a 1950 timeline with a nurse and a teacher. Oh, oh wow. It sounds so, so good. That's awesome. Yeah. And Gervais, how about you? Can you tell us about Impolite Company, which just came out yesterday? Yeah, absolutely. I say it's a peek behind the veil of Charleston aristocracy. So you think debutante, white glove, pearls, but it's not all sweet tea and Southern charm. There's a little bit of sex, drugs, and rock and roll in there too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And Paige, can you tell us about the Orphan Witch? Yes. The Orphan Witch is about a woman who has magical abilities she doesn't understand and who has never belonged anywhere. On an island off the coast of North Carolina, she finds sisterhood and love mm -hmm. and a library housing lost magical items, a mysterious and dashing librarian, and a very old curse that awakens the power slumbering in her blood. Ooh. Oh, chill bones. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no. Watch out, Alice Hoffman. Here comes Paige Crutchers. <laughs> These all sound amazing. Um, so, yeah. ladies, we are going to have a bit of fun for the next few minutes. We have a series have a of series questions, questions, which we're going to throw at you rapid fire. So there'll be a little bit of room to expand later, but this is going to be kind of like our speed dating round for our audience of book lovers. So first up, can you tell us who would love your book? Addison. I'd say book clubs, moms, nurses, and teachers. Ooh, nice. oh, that. Yeah. Gervais. Anybody who loves Charleston, South Carolina, and then I'd also say anybody who loves a protagonist that's a good girl, but with a rebel heart. Ooh, Ooh I like that. Yeah. Paige? Um, I think anybody who loves witches and a little bit of magic and sisterhood and found family. Ooh, nice. Awesome. Okay. Okay, round two. We often wonder where, whether writers outline, which we call being a plotter, or whether you write by the seat of your pants, which is a pantser, Ladies, how about you? Are you a a plotter or a pantser or a hybrid? Gervais? 
total pantser. <laughs> How about you, Paige? Hybrid. Ooh, okay. Oh, that's a plotzer. I'm a pantser. I love hearing that. It's so yeah. fun to listen to the difference. Okay, how long did it take you to write your first book from the time you first sat down to put word one on the page? Page. <laughs> um, my very first book I wrote, I think it took me a couple of years. And then The Orphan, which it was pretty quick, about six months. Oh, oh wow. wow. Six yeah. months. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Okay, how about you, Addison? Me about a semester. I was in school, so it was about a semester during my junior year. What? No. How are you guys writing so quickly? Can you teach us, please? <laughs> no. How about you, Gervais? I was about four years. I was working full time as a professor, so that was it took a little bit extra time. Okay. 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 He's more normal. That makes me feel a little bit better about myself. Thank you. Thank you, Gervais. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit intimidated by, by Paige and Addison, who are probably going to put out like four oh, more no. books this year. Yeah. So shifting tracks a bit, what's the biggest surprise you've experienced along the journey to becoming a writer? How about you, Addison? I'm shocked by the fact that I don't hate editing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Okay revising, diving back in, and making it better. Awesome. Okay, how about you, Gervais? Well, as this is the day after my debut launch, I'm I'm just wowed by how much of a business this is, as yeah. you women very well know. And um, yeah, that's probably the biggest part. Cool. Okay, how about you, Paige? I think the writing community, honestly, it's so yummy, and everyone's so kind, right. and it's a solitary creative business that we have. So yeah. to discover how wonderful the writers are within it, it's kind of everything. That's awesome. I, I feel like we've all made that discovery and all been kind of wowed, wowed by it, especially I think over this last year and a half. So good to hear you say that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I love this one. What is one word that you hope critics will use again and again to describe your work? Duray. It's not like the most imaginative, but I just want them to just say fun. Oh, oh yeah. that's a great one. Paige? Uh, magical. Mm. Oh, good. Yeah. Good one. Addison? Heartfelt. Oh, Okay, ladies, or new kids, should I call you? We love to give, we love to have you give aspiring writers a bit of advice each week on this show. Wait, you Wait, skipped my question. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, I I took your I I took your code. Oh, okay. Your I have a question. One <laughs> Give her a glass of Rombauer and she just walks all over you. Okay, ladies, what is the one thing you have learned along the way that you wish you knew at the start of this journey? Paige? Uh, it'll be a long journey, but it'll be so worth it. Yes. I love that. Yes. Addison? Gervais touched on this a little bit, but it is just so much of a business. I thought all the time consuming stuff would be the actual writing of the novel, but there's so much more. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> okay, Gervais, the one thing you wish you'd known at the start of the journey? To just, to trust my gut. I think a lot of it is just in here and to trust that. Mm -hmm. I like 
Now can I ask my question? Now you can. God. All right. So, you know, we want you to give us a bit of writer's advice. And I think each of you are in an awesome position to share some words of wisdom with all the writers out there who are seeing you tonight and hopefully feeling inspired. We're going to ask each of you for a separate piece of advice. And we're going to start with Paige. I think. The, the Wait, I was going to ask you, what's your advice? Wait, no, I have, I have a specific question to ask you, Paige. I'm sorry. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. What's your advice for overcoming this? This is a very, this question is, I think they tailored it to me because <laughs> I have this voice in my head. What's your advice for overcoming the voice in your head at the beginning of your journey that tells you I'm not a writer yet, maybe I'll fail? How do you how did you overcome that? Oh, the inner critic, that tiny little monster. Yes. Um, I think I kind of give it a little bit of credit and say, you know what, maybe I can't do this, maybe I won't, but I'm still going to try. Like I'm still oh, going to write and that. go forward, you know? Yeah. That. That's great that. advice. Yeah. Um, Addison, do you have any advice for people who are looking to find an agent? Yeah, I think there's just so many ways to do it, depending on what you're comfortable with. So, I mean, they have the Twitter pitch parties. They have the cold emails. I met the woman who became my agent, Melissa Danasco, at a conference or a writer's institute doing like a critique session. So, you know, depending on your strengths and your weaknesses and what you're comfortable with, there are multiple avenues. That's Great advice. Point. Okay. I like that. And Gervais, what is your advice for weathering criticism or rejection or disappointment? Because they are absolutely, no matter who you are, part of every writer's journey. Yeah. I All I can say is put on horse blinders and just yeah. charge forward. Yes. That's great advice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Finally, ladies, I want you to... Bring out your crystal ball. <laughs> Ten years into the future. Pretend you're magical like Paige. Yeah, yeah exactly. Magical, which would be powers. <laughs> Pretend it's 10 years in the future and tell us where you hope to be in your career. Uh, I guess I was supposed to ask, let's go, Gervais, uh, why don't you ask answer first? I would love to have about six books <laughs> under my belt. And I also would like to move in maybe later to some historical fiction based in Charleston, but Ooh, okay. that would be really fun. That's awesome. Great. Paige, how about you? Um, just to be being published still, to be writing and creating more and you know, just having fun with it. Yeah. Cool. Addison, you're bringing up the rear. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to still be writing also and teaching um, historical fiction still, but I'd also like to do children's, like middle grades. I like that. Oh, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, that, that's a great goal. Well, wonderful. All right. Well, tonight we are going to play a little game with all of you. We're going to mm -hmm. read nine surprising facts about our guest authors and their books. You out there, all of you who are watching on Facebook and YouTube, have to guess which fact applies to which novelist. So you're going to put your answers in the comments on Facebook and YouTube. So when we say question one, you put which author you think it is, question two, so on and so forth. Um, and we are going to draw one lucky winner who will win one book of his or her choice from Gervais, Addison, or Paige shipped to you straight from Copper, Copperfish Books. So you're 
answers don't have to be right. You just have to play. And our wonderful Meg Walker, the, the driving force behind Friends in Fiction, will be drawing a random winner from everyone who participates. Okay? You guys ready? Yep. We're ready. All ready. right. Mary Kay. Well, and how about we do it like this? We'll read the fact. We'll give everyone just a few seconds to respond. And then we'll let the author own up to, to who it is. All right? All yep. right. Okay. Go. Question one. This author speaks English, Spanish, and a tiny bit of American Sign Language. I used to know Ooh. Sign Language. Me too. I actually I read, took it yeah. in school. Is my foreign language mm -hmm. Foreign language. I don't know. Whatever. And, oh, my gosh. I just watched a movie called Coda, which is on Apple. Um, I saw that on Apple TV. It is so good. It has okay. lots of sign language in it. It's amazing. But anyhow, sorry. Off track. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody got a guess about who it is? Well, oh, no, that, that's okay. Oh, Oda oh, Paxson. Is this A? Wait, this is A. 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 Yep. I thought that was loser. I thought <laughs> me, me, I'm okay. So this author takes in this is question number two. So put a two in the comments when you're answering it. This author takes improv classes because she finds it helps her write dialogue. Taking an improv class literally makes me feel panicked. That's like, funny. Yeah. I I think I'd be really bad at improv, but I really love the idea of it. I like who would, watching it. You know uh -huh. who I bet would be great at improv? Probably Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, <laughs> I bet that Lou Diamond Phillips he, would win yeah. improv this season. Okay, who is it? Which one of you? Gervais! Gervais. Yeah, okay. And y'all would be great at it. <laughs> oh um, okay. This is fab. This author was a middle school wrestling manager. Love this. this is my my son wrestled. I do not remember girl wrestling managers. I know that. No, that's awesome though. Yeah. I like All right. That. That's like really cool. I love these I fun facts. They always make me think like, I really need to step up my fun facts. I think maybe I'm just not that interesting. I know, but all three of them are so interesting. I, they I know. Were, they, they all sent me a bunch of facts, and I was like, how do I choose which ones? They're all They're really so cool. I know. So all right. Okay, who is it? Own up to that. All right, Paige. <laughs> I love that. This author doesn't drive a car. Now, this is question number four. And, you know, uh, when we, we played Fun Facts a couple of weeks ago, I think everybody was – disturbed to find out I didn't get my driver's license until I was 21, 21. Years old. We couldn't yeah. believe it. We didn't know that about her. She yeah. wouldn't be here probably. I don't yeah. know. I still get lost. I'm not <laughs> I right. give me a driver's license. <laughs> Who doesn't have a driver's license? Doesn't drive a car. Yay, Paige. <laughs> do you have a driver's license? Yes, I do. You do have oh. a license. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got that. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. This author was in 11 plays and musicals in middle school and high school. It's wow. not me. <laughs> well, you all find not sing, so I'm sure you thought that I was in a lot of musicals. I think it was Kristen. Wait, Kristen isn't, no, Kristen, Kristen's not eligible. No, she's no, no, I, I, I can't act. I, anyways, yeah. All right. <laughs> who was that? Who was, who was the, ah, Addison. Addison. Okay. And that's interesting because we were just talking with Lou about how acting and, um, 
falling into character roles helped him a little bit with developing characters in his books. So I wonder yeah. if the same was true with you, Addison, if that if that was kind of part of your journey. It's definitely occurred to me. And I've thought also even just like psychology classes that I've taken yep. and things like that. Yeah. Dreams seemingly like totally disparate experiences. That totally makes sense. Absolutely. Okay. I love this one. This author runs most of her errands on a cargo bike, which I'm really into. And like living in Beaufort, I could do yeah. that. I really need to be better. I have like a little basket on my bike that sometimes I'll like ride around town and do things, but I need to be more <laughs> like intentional about that. I feel like, and you know, I feel like it adds to the mystique of like that crazy author who rides around town on her bike <laughs> with all her like stuff. In her, right. I mean, everyone yeah, knows you yeah. like, can I follow yeah. you around playing? I didn't All right. It. Okay. <laughs> Who is that? That's me. Yay! <laughs> you inspired okay. me, Gervais. I'll send you the pictures next yes, week. Yes, it's so fun. Do you also not drive a car or do you just choose your bike most of the time? I choose. I'm on the city's bicycle and pedestrian advisory committee. Okay. So I'm real committed to cool. transportation and mm-hmm. equity. I love that. So, yeah. Awesome. That's, That's great. great. Well, and then you know what you're talking about too, because you're actually doing it. I yeah, am. I'm sure. doing it. I think yeah. I'm gonna have to get a car for the tour, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, we, a support support of a bike. <laughs> we support that decision. <laughs> it's gonna be hard to to ride a bike to Atlanta, where yeah, where you and I are doing an event together. Okay, mm-hmm. question number seven. Someone in this author's book writes a classified ad in the paper looking for a husband. Ooh, I love that. I love that. I used to take classifieds. I I worked at a newspaper in St. Pete, my hometown, and I took classified ads. And we got some really squirrely people coming in there. I bet. I mean, this was this was in the seventies. My first job offer was to write early things on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Not the same, but also great. Really. All right. Who's whose book does that happen in? Addison. Okay. Okay, fantastic. Okay, in this book, the main character, I know this one, the main <laughs> character gets caught in a riptide. Well, I hate to say, you know, all of them since we have the answers. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I did like, actually put the answers in the script, Patty. <laughs> I know, but I still know that one. She kind of takes she a little bit of the fun cheater, out of it for us, Christine. I know, sorry, I ruined it. I'll go my question and call me Peter. And I'm going to sleep in your guest house. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to think of something, though. Okay, all right. Who is that? All right, Gervais. Okay. All right. All right. And finally, I bet you can narrow down that last answer. Okay. So in this author's book, the main character falls in love with the art of Tai Chi. Is that good? I love it. Is that how you do Tai Chi? I don't know. The only, I remember doing a class one time. And the only thing I remember is they were talking about moving your hands across the velvet. That's all I remember. (laughs) No. Okay. There are right. a lot of people here that do it like in the park and it's, yeah, you know, yeah. And they look really cool when they're doing they it. So I wish cool. I, was I agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whose book is that? I know, I know we probably <laughs> narrow it down. Paige, fantastic. All right. Well, how fun was that? We will be bringing our partner in crime, Meg Walker, on soon to announce the randomly drawn winner. So don't go anywhere, um, all of you out there. But ladies, the three of you, Gervais, Addison, Paige, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. We are thrilled about your debuts. We hope everyone watching tonight buys them, preferably from Copperfish, where 
where you can get 10% off with code FF10. And we all wish you huge success with these books and with your writing career. You guys are awesome. You guys are so great. Congratulations. We cannot wait to see where your careers take you. So again, Mm -hmm. folks out there, Out Now are The Light of Luna Park by Addison Armstrong and In Polite Company by Gervais Haggerty. And on September 28th, The World Will Meet the Orphan Witch by Paige Crutcher. Mm -hmm. But you can absolutely pre-order it now and we suggest Mm -hmm. that you do. So Addison, Gervais, and Paige, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Y'all are so great. This was so fun. Y'all are awesome. All right. So to everyone out there, stick around because we'll be naming the winner from the game we played in just a minute and you won't want to miss our after show. But first, a few quick announcements. Don't forget to check out our Friends and Fiction podcasts. Not only are the shows on there, but also our every Friday Writer's Block podcast with Ron Block. This past week, we had an episode on Diverse Voices with Ron Block. And he talked to Monica West and he talked about revival season and Wanda Morris to talk about all her little secrets. I have heard it and it is such a powerful episode. And this coming Friday, me and Christy and Ron talked to Allison Larkin about her novel and Tracy Lang about her debut, We Are the Brennans. So just search for Friends in Fiction on your favorite podcast platform or head over to friendsinfiction.com and click on podcasts and there's a play button right there to learn more. Yeah, so don't forget to like, follow, and review, right? All the things, all like, the follow, things. and review. All the things. All the things. And, right. listen. and listen, listen, right. like, follow. Yeah, right. listen, obviously. And if you're not <laughs> hanging out with us in the Friends and Fiction official book club yet, you are missing out. Yeah. This group, which is separate from us, but it's run by our friends, Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner, is now more than 8,000 strong. 8, the group just starting, started reading Patty's The Bookshop at Water's End. I can't she, wait to talk about it. I know. She'll I be popping them live on September 20th. Take your questions. Speaking of September... Did you know that Patty, Christy, and I all have books coming out between September 28th and October 26th? Mm-hmm. We do. Yes, we do. Let's buy this news. Yep. Shocking news. Right. You can be <laughs> among the very first to read these books through the Winter Wonderland subscription box. And you will receive all the books as they released, along with loads of exclusive extra swag. The package is available for purchase only through our friends at Nantucket Book Part Partners. Look for the link under announcements. And this Sunday, join us at 5 p.m. for a bonus episode that's going to blow your mind, especially yep. if you're a writer, like set 11 alarms and do not miss yes. this. It's with um, John Truby and Leslie Lear. And next Wednesday, meet us right here at 7 p.m. to welcome back. One of our most memorable guests of 2020, Karen Slaughter. Um, And there could be some questionable language that we cannot control. So you might want to cover your ears or um, fast forward through the bad parts. Um, But uh, our 2020 episode included pirate hats and a very serious discussion about pirate health care. So you do not want to miss her return to the show. And don't forget that we have a merchandise line through independent bookstore Oxford Exchange where you can pick up wine tumblers, stainless steel travel cups, and Friends and Fiction teas. And you might want to go ahead and get those Friends and Fiction teas ordered up because I'm gonna, we're going to be announcing something soon. 
that you're going to want to be a part of. Yeah. I like it. And you know what? They're all the, um, w- we all have those tees too. So it's yes. the ones that, that, that we, we are wearing. Wear. We'll be wearing well, them on the show. Probably next week. Now, but yeah, probably yeah, next week. we will. Yeah. Next week. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah. All right, ladies, what a night. So Meg yeah. Walker, our managing director extraordinaire, who we keeps can. our train on the tracks. Mm. Meg, would you like to come on and announce our winner for the little game we played tonight? There we go. Hey, my hair looks great as usual. That's awesome. <laughs> well, come oh, on. That's yeah. great. Okay, Meg, Good do time. we have a winner for tonight? Yeah. Well, I did too much homework and I wrote down a, a, the right person for each of the nine questions. But <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry for no, not explaining that better to not, you. That's me not following directions. So, but I'm going to say that the winner is Izzy Roebuck. And awesome. I'm, I'm, Yay, Izzy. I'm so sure in part because I have two dachshunds and one of them is named Izzy. So there you go. Oh, well, there, there you go. go. Love it. It's a great this is how you win. You have Meg's dog's name. That's how you win. <laughs> Can your parents name you after Meg's dog? But you're exactly. a winner. Your parents had excellent foresight. So it's Izzy, so congratulations. Um, reach out to one of us if you can. And if we don't hear from you, we'll reach out to you um, and get you all set up with that prize. We'll figure out which book you would prefer. And that my lovely ladies brings this show to a close and we do hope you'll consider picking up the debut novels of all four of our guests including Lou Diamond Phillips wherever books are sold but preferably from our friends at Copperfish Books so stick around after the show for the Story Point Sip and Stay after show where we dish about our guests and make sure to come back this Sunday at 5 for John Truby and Leslie Lear and next Wednesday at 7 as we welcome special guest Karen Slaughter so stick around for the after show we'll see you in a second good night good night good night everyone see you in a minute what a night what a night so first welcome to our friends in fiction sip and stay with story point after show we are so happy to be partnering with story point wines as the official sponsor of our after show all summer long, it will be the summer of StoryPoint here on Friends and Fiction. As they say at StoryPoint, many great stories and ideas unfold over a shared bottle of wine, exactly. as did Friends and Fiction. Exactly, <laughs> that's true. So every night through the end of August, we hope you will stick around for the Friends and Fiction. For I knew they shouldn't have trusted you with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it. Friend fiction after show, so you can sip and stay with Story Point. Okay, nailed it. Done. Yes. Wow, what a night! That was amazing, Kristen. I felt like before this show, just for everybody like watching, having that many guests is stress really stressful especially for the host and i felt like we needed to play like eye of the tiger for you like midway through i mean <laughs> you really nailed that fun. it was great Get you pumped up or yeah. or just la bamba <laughs> <laughs> erica you did it behind the scenes Yay, erica. five stars no i mean i wish i wish we dared show a a pre-show because before you all came on you did it. Lou sang La Bamba for us. Oh my gosh. I know. It was amazing. I, I was like sort of kidding. I said, we have a few minutes to kill. How about we sing La Bamba? And then he did it. And with a little dance and with the whole Spanish part. 
It was and amazing. The, I know. I know. The only reason it shouldn't be on camera is because we actually danced and it wasn't Wait. good. Are you we saying are we did not? No, I'm talking about threat. myself. <laughs> We're not triple threats. I actually don't think I'm a single threat. I can't sing, dance. I got or nothing. Act. So depressing. Egot is out, right? Like the uh, what is it? The Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, yeah. right? Yeah. Greatest of all time, guys. So yeah. sad. Oh. And guess what? Just like the other three novelists, like Gervais and Addison yeah. and Paige, he had to figure out how to get his book published. Yeah. He got yeah. rejected. Right. Yeah. So just yeah. because you are on every TV screen from 1980 to 2020, it really is. Doesn't I mean, mean you can just say like, "Oh, here's my book." You can't. It's just no. shocking. I I loved hearing that, and I wish we'd had a little bit more time. We were kind of. I know we were all really conscious of the clock because we wanted to make sure we had time yeah. for everything. But I would have loved to ask him a little bit more about that. Um, if, but yeah. if there was a polite way to say like, "How does it feel to be Lou Diamond Phillips and to have someone say no?" You know what I mean? Yeah, because you are in a world of yes. Well, yes. it, it, in some ways, but then, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm sure there have been roles he's been turned right. down for, right? That's so true. it's probably something he has learned over the years. But yeah, it, it is, it's interesting to hear, though, that the doors don't just open. Not but open. my God, you guys, I don't know if any of you looked him up on IMDb. Oh. I was writing the the intro. He has literally been on Everything. Like, I don't even think I can think of a show that's aired on television that Lou Diamond Phillips has not guest starred on at some point. I mean, it, it, his body of work is astounding. It makes me think of um, Taylor Jenkins Reid last week when she, the quote that she uses of everybody wants to be Cary Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Cary Grant. Yep. And then Cary Grant said, even I want to be, I wonder if Lou feels that way. Like, okay, so that's separate. And that's, you know. Um, yeah. Because he yeah. said, I don't know, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. It's so real and down yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And and the friend who introduced us, um, which is how he wound up coming on the show, the, the friend I mentioned, Michelle, um, that was the first thing she said when she brought him up. Not, I mean, she said he wrote a book, but she said the reason you should have him is because he's warm and kind and nice. And like, yeah. and, and you can see that, you know, you can see that on the show. Um but I feel like even if you spend a half hour reading through his Twitter feed, um, he's just a good guy. He does so yeah. much to, um, to support teachers. Um, he uh, he talks about cats all the time. I mean, he's just a really oh. cool guy. Yeah, he's well, really friends with Chris Bajalian. Yeah, he's a good yeah. man. Like if Chris loves him, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I what I was interested in um, was not just the successes that he talked about, but the failures, yeah. because yeah. none of us have success until we, you know, until we've experienced failure, until we've experienced rejection. And I've heard so many stories over the years. It's, it's actually kind of a funny, funny genre of uh, the book business about editors saying, well, I turned down such and such book and, you know, look what a giant idiot I was for saying no to that. Like Margaret Mitchell apparently had just like scrapbooks full a rejection letters from yeah. editors saying, eh, no, mm-mm, no, thanks. Yeah. Well, I always think about the help. I mean, yeah. and that, I mean, I can't remember how many times she said that book was rejected, but I remember listening to an interview, like when I was trying to get published and being like, okay, all right. You know, even yeah. that book was rejected a bunch. Of yeah. Times, so. I wonder how many of these debut novelists went through, right. Yeah. Um, to get their first 
Um, and that giddy feeling when your first book mm -hmm. is coming out. Oh, hey, happy, everybody, who's had novels rejected? Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yes. Um, I had a manuscript before oh this is crazy yeah I had a manuscript before Dear Carolina that I signed with a literary agent for and um I mean you know I, I kind of look back and I'm like I don't know if eventually maybe it would have found an editor but mm -hmm. Dear Carolina went a writing con but I mean it had certainly been rejected yeah a handful of times mm -hmm. and then I randomly got this contract for Dear Carolina through a contest but like it definitely I yeah I felt the feeling. Yeah. But I remember my agent being like, you're going to get rejected a lot. Like, you need, I mean, I remember like getting my fifth yeah. rejection and being like, so are we done? And he was like, uh, no. Patty, what about you? Would you get rejected? Oh gosh. I mean, I'm sitting here feeling that weird pit in my stomach. Yeah. Um, my first novel, um, was my fourth novel. Yeah. I talk about that a lot. So, and then when my agent decided to take my first novel out, I mean, it was rejection, rejection. And I did the same thing. Christy, I was like, I guess it's just not going to work. Maybe we should dig it. She was like, we are not done. Yeah. So, and I remember getting the, the, the calls. So, and then what's crazy y'all and what writers out there need to know, probably for the same for everybody, every single rejection had a different reason. Yeah. You went in and, fixed everything everybody said mm -hmm. it, you can't because they're all different one person thinks it's to this and the other person thinks it's to that so yeah. Yeah. Um, patty do you want to hear something funny yes someone they that, don't, but i do i do someone <laughs> that rejected well it, it's it's like a specific to you story but yes it's for everybody but it's specific, specific to you the editor there was an editor that we pitched to that said um that she really liked Dear Carolina. Cause I guess, did we go out on sub for that after? I don't know, I don't remember the timeline, but anyway, um, that said that she had just published a story about adoption and it was yours. It was mine. Oh, yeah, and she was like, I guess I found you. And Dear Carolina. Right Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're wildly different. I mean, like, I feel like the plot lines are like, you know, yep. very different, but still That's they were both like centered around adoption, yeah. Yeah. I think everybody out there wants to know this really important news flash. Sean is saying hello to all of us from his vacation at the beach. Oh, oh fine. Guys, fine. Fine. You guys, we do, we do have to give a shout out to Erica, though, who filled in from Sean, for Sean yeah. tonight. Sean, um, yeah. On a really, on a tough night, we threw a lot she at her and, and she yeah. rocked it. Absolutely. Yeah. So Thank Kristen, you, Erica. Kristen, did you have rejection letters? Yeah. You know, my first book that I wrote was nonfiction. Um, it was a guide, a survival guide to your twenties. Um, and that is how I got my first literary agent who signed me for that book and then said, um, I don't think I can take this book out because it's kind of stupid and you're, um, 23 and you have no idea how to survive your twenties. Um, but it was well-written and I'd like to see what else you can do. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how my career she didn't even shop it she was just like yeah this was dumb i should have told you that before I signed you. oh my god after you wrote the book she told you it was dumb I, you know i think i had written sample chapters in an outline but i you know i signed thinking like fantastic we're going out with this survival yeah. guide to your 20s and she was like no 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 what else how do you for me <laughs> I, well you know i was still a newspaper reporter and i had this great idea i had covered two of the murder trials that 
Oh. Eventually, we're the basis of um, Midnight, in Midnight in the Garden, Good yeah. of Evil. I a little book. A little okay. book in Savannah. Yeah. I covered two of them as a reporter for the Atlanta paper. And so I had this idea. And um, through, through contacts, I found a, a guy who was a pretty big literary agent in New York. And he had a friend at HarperCollins. And it ha happened to be my dear friend Celestine's publisher and editor at HarperCollins. Mm -hmm. And so Larry loved the idea. I was going to write a, a book about these two murder trials and about no the way. case. Yeah. So Larry, um, Jed Mattis, agent's name. And um, Larry took it to the way it works at big uh, publishing houses is an editor that wants to acquire a book, takes it to the meeting and they go around the table and they talk about, you know, this, I want to acquire this book. And Larry said, I, this, this reporter in Atlanta covered these two murder trials, very sensational. And I think it'll be a great true crime book. And someone else said, well, yeah, that's good. But there's this guy named John Barrett who wrote a story <laughs> for, I think he'd written a story for GQ maybe about it. And, um, and he had a contract. And so they all went, yeah, no, that this, this chicken Atlanta. No. So, um, you know, my whole thing that I had pinned everything on was fell apart because of John Barron fell apart. So I started writing another mystery. Wow. This was a true, this was a mystery set in Savannah where I had worked as a newspaper reporter because I was fixated on Savannah mm -hmm. and with that same, um, publisher with the same editor, Harper Collins, but a different agent and he rejected it. And, yeah. um, and other editors rejected it. But out of that, I got my first agent. See? That's awesome. Yeah. Meg, you have had to listen to all of us. Ah. We've been rejected. So what from an outsider's point of view, like is it I'm just I'm I'm laughing because I I worked in house for so long and yeah. I know, oh, yeah, that's true. You know about all this. Kathy, when you said they took it to the meeting, I was I was thinking to myself, yeah, they call that the AC Ed meeting. AC is AQ, which stands for acquisitions, and there was one of those every you know week, and then there was also the slush pile meeting, which they made the editorial assistants um, read the unsolicited manuscripts that were. Wow. You know, you always hear those like crazy stories of like somebody discovered somebody in the slush pile. Like I think yeah. that's where um, J.K. Rowling was discovered in the slush Nicholas pile. Sparks. Yeah. Wow. Was an agent slush pile who died. Oh my gosh! Really? And his assistant was like his assistant was Teresa Park. I mean, superstar agent. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So Meg, you've listened to the other side where it's just like rejection. We're over here like ice picking yeah, the heart, like, and they're at the, the table saying, exactly. like, "Not yeah, that, yeah. not that, not that, not no, that." No, it's so. Do you think about that? Like when you're on your end of it, are you thinking about how telling us no is going to like shatter our hopes and dreams? No, because I feel like when I work for authors, I'm there to tell them yes. I'm not there to tell them no. And if I, I wouldn't choose to work on a book um, yeah. to do the marketing and PR for a book if I didn't believe in it. So yeah. I am there to market it like it's the next biggest bestseller, yeah. regardless of what it is. Yeah, so, absolutely. No, I'm not in the business of telling you guys no or breaking your hearts. You've got you've gone through all of that before you come to someone like No, that I mean back true. when you were on the table, like when yeah. you were going around the table, like at the ACT meetings, was it? Oh, I mean, I didn't go to those because I worked in marketing, so I wasn't in okay. that. 
but I would, I had friends who were editorial assistants and they would go to the <laughs> meeting and the slush pile meetings and stuff. And May, I, was was jealous, your... I was jealous of the slush pile meetings because they got them free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> when I was like a poor 24 year old working in book publishing, I was like, free pizza? How do I get in on that? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Meg, was there ever a book that you were handed to market that you thought, God, this thing is a bomb? It's never going to go anywhere. And it took <laughs> off and it was like a shock to you. Well, you know, we've worked on, this is, it's not fiction and it's not whatever, but there's a little book called Who Moved My Cheese? Are you guys familiar with yeah. that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it became this huge phenomenon and no one expected it. And um, I was working at Putnam at the time and, you know, it just started selling like crazy. And so, <laughs> again, another name for one of these group meetings. Phyllis Grant, who ran Putnam at the time, said, yeah. we're going to put together a group of people. We're going to call you the cheese board, and we're going to make you come up with <laughs> ideas for, for what to do with this book. I want the cheese board to come to the planning meeting and tell us what we're going to do with this runaway success. Oh, God. <laughs> cheese board. People would say this book is dumb. Like, I don't get it. Why is it? And she's like, don't call it dumb. It's keeping the lights on. <laughs> That's awesome. That is incredible, though. I mean, I, you yeah. know, and you hear people say that all the time. Like, if we knew what was going to be a big hit, that's all we would publish. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's be that. Let's be let's that. Be that. Be the big yeah. hit. Be all the right. Big. Let's be the, the big cheese. Hits. Let's be the cheese. Yeah. Well, there's our theory board. Can we be the yes. Yes. Board? Yeah. We want to be the author who requires their own board within the public. Yes. Right. I want to be the author that requires a board of any kind. So. Right. Well, speaking of charcuterie boards, I need to go eat something before. Yeah, I me too. Oh, and I will there. see you all at the Friends and Fiction board meeting in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Where there will be charcuterie. Exactly. Bye, ladies. Bye, Good night, everyone. Thanks, Erica. Bye. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. Join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And please, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.